awesome, awesome God. Amen. Psalmist said, if I would count his blessings, they are innumerable. This morning we'll be in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I want to look at verse 38a. When you get it, say amen. You don't have it yet. Romans 8, 38a. Now say amen. That's better. For I am persuaded. That's it. For I am persuaded. The power and process of God's persuasion. The power of God's persuasion. Has it ever dawned on you what is it makes us persuaded. None of you have ever seen Jesus Christ. None of you have seen the glory of God in your bedroom. None of you have seen the dead raised back to life. But Paul says, I am Persuasion is a confidence which brings internal certainty even in the midst of our conflict. Persuasion has a power that is peculiar to one's faith fortitude, and freedom. Persuasion allows us to stand strong even in our struggles. Gives us perseverance when our circumstances are perplexing. And I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I have not always been persuaded when storms hit my life, when the sea billows roll, when the hellhounds are on my trail. I cannot lie this morning and say I've walked away can't say that when things have fell apart in my life, failures are the diet of the day. Frustrations surround me that I can stand up and say, but I am persuaded. There have been times in my life when I doubted whether God was going to deliver me times in my life when I doubted my victory through my circumstances. So, so I haven't always been persuaded. So when I pull this up, it is confrontative to me because I begin to surmise, how did Paul get to this point in his life where he is totally And let me say this to you, before you and I are persuaded, we need enlightenment from God, enablement from God. We need emotional stability from God, and we, we, we need 
to understand the power of his energy, the proof through experiences that we have walked with him before we are persuaded. Romans, one of my favorite books, Romans is both a treatise and a treasure on the righteousness of God. Romans is all about how to get right with God. We have the Romans road that we give to sinners. It's a road that leads to Christ. And this righteousness of God is seen only in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't get right with God no other way. You can't you can't get right with God trying to live a good life. You can't get right with God because you pray three times a day. You, you can't get right with God by stop doing things. You can only get right with God through Jesus, who saves, sanctifies, satisfies, and secures. And, 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 and it's interesting that uh, the, the first seven chapters of Romans entails faith battles and fear battles and failure battles that Paul went through. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me give you some mathematical historicity of the significance of Romans. First of all, back in the late 1700s, 1800s, both Harvard and Yale were law Christian law schools. They were Christian law schools. Anybody studying to be a lawyer back there in the 1800s had to take the book of Romans because Romans is a logical platform for lawyers. It argues a logical case. In chapter 1, the Gentiles are all guilty. In chapter 2, the Jews are guilty. In chapter 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody's guilty. So in the first three chapters, God had already said, there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And do I have a witness? Isaiah 64 says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Isn't that right? And see, the problem with the sin question is that most people think sinning is what you do. Sinning is not only what you do, sinning is what you are. By nature, you and I are sinners. Do I have a witness up in the house? We were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Uh, God told Jeremiah, before you came out of your mother's womb, I knew you. I, I sanctified you, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Do I have a witness up in the house? And, 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 and so when you understand the book of Romans, the, 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 the mathematical equations in Romans is stifling because the word spirit is only used one time in the first seven chapters. Chapter 1, verse 4 has spirit. No other time in seven chapters does the Holy Spirit use the word spirit? But when you get to chapter 8, the word spirit is used 20 times. To, to, to show you the dichotomy, amen, of the flesh and sin and frustration and failure in the first seven chapters. And you know how Paul kept going back and forth with himself in the seventh chapter. And he had been saved 20 years. He said, with my mind, I serve the law of God, but in my flesh, the law of sin. Can I get a witness? What, 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 what I should do, I won't do. What I, what, what I want to do, I can't do. Oh, wretched man that I am. He was frustrated. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Very, very interesting. I don't have time, but the reason that Paul pulled up that illustration, oh, wretched man that I am, is because under Roman law, when you murdered somebody, Part of the penalty was to take the corpse of the person that you murdered and tie it to your back. So you would have to carry around a decomposing, stinking corpse with you. 
Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to take this dead man off of my back? And Paul says, but thanks be to God who gives, who gives, 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 gives us the victory. Now, now in chapter 8, not only is spirit mentioned 20 times, but in chapter 7, the word I is mentioned 25 times. What is the center letter for sin? I. Every time we try to do something in the power I, we fall short. Are y'all praying with me? So, so here, here, here in Romans 8 is what we call the victory chapter. And there are, and this is pretty much systematic theology. This, this is for my, my deep Bible students. This, this is going to go over the head. There, there are six laws in Romans particularly in Romans 7, six laws. The first law begins with the law of marriage, that I am not free until the one I'm married to dies. That's the first law. So as long as my flesh, as long as I'm married to my flesh, I'm a dead man. I'm preaching now. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about what you're carrying on your back. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I got to get this thing off my back. <laughs> then he deals with the law of Moses, which are the holy commandments of God that I can't keep because I have no power to keep them. Can I get a witness? Then he deals with the, the, the law of sin and death, the law of the flesh, the law of the mind, Paul deals with all of these laws only to get to chapter 8 and talk about the law of the Spirit, which makes us free from the law of sin and death, the law of marriaging the flesh, the law of my mind, the law of, come on now, the law of the flesh. He says, only the law of the Spirit frees me. I'm, I'm free to live for God. So in the midst of Paul's problems and pitfalls, he says, I'm persuaded. Trials and trouble, he says, I'm persuaded. Because Paul had enlightenment, experience, uh, biblical doctrinal exposition. Paul could say, I am persuaded. I want to I stop, pause, and park on that word persuaded, which is a deep Greek word. We're, we're going to come back to it. It's, it's a trustworthiness of certainty because of reason. It has to do with reason. It, 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 is, it, is, it is something that Paul reached in his life that hopefully... All of us will reach in our lives. Yeah. You got to get beyond your light. You got to get beyond every time something happens in your life. You got to get beyond singing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Flashlight went out. You, you, you got to get beyond the joy that you brought to church that may dissipate by the time you get back home. You, you got to know that you know that you know. It is a knowledge. It is a doctrinal exposition that God gives you. So if your circumstances are negative, if hellhounds are attacking you from every side, if the children don't act right and the marriage won't go right, if you get laid off of your job or you're like Job, you're stricken in your health, then you can sit back and say, for I am persuaded. You got to know that you know that you know. I, I'm so sick and tired of Christians existing above water as long as the circumstances are right. As long as the money is coming in, the bills are being paid, and nothing's bothering you, then you got joy. That's not joy. That's happiness. 
Uh, joy is when all hell's breaking out and you know deep down in your soul that where it came from, man can't take it away. Can I get a witness? You got to know that because he is, I am. You got to know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world because you're not always going to feel like praising him. But I dare you to praise him when you don't feel like praising him. I, I dare you to shout when all hell's breaking out. I, I dare you to make yourself stand when you don't feel like standing. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise. I said his praise that have anything to do with me, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Then David says, and by the way, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you know he snatched you out of hell with smoke still in your garments, if you know he put you on the street called straight, you may not be perfect, but you are forgiven. If you know he's been cleaning you up, then you ought to say something. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm messed up. I'm hooked up. I'm crooked up. But I got something to say. Jesus. I said, Jesus. Jesus. He's my joy. He bought me from a mighty long way. Can I get a witness? And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, power, power. It's power. It's power. When I think about, I'm talking to worshipers now. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me my soul cries out hallelujah I thank God for saving me through many dangers tolls and Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't get me started up in here. Hallelujah. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Did not I heal ten? And only one came back to thank me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody ought to praise. Somebody ought to thank you. Somebody ought to praise. Thank you. You've been so good to me. You woke me up. This morning, you started me on my way. You put a new song in my mouth. Even praise, many shall sing. Say, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
I'm sorry. I would have fainted. I would have fainted. I would have fainted. Unless I believe to see the goodness of God in the land. and you just take for granted they should have walked out. You better thank him. Can I get a witness? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People get laid off on your job and God, God, God may allow you to get laid off but he came right through. You, you take that for granted. Go in a hospital, the doctors don't know what's wrong with you but you walk back out, you, you ought to thank him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Glory. Praise him. <laughs> ah. Ah. Praise him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you for what you're going to do. Faith believing. We got the victory. The devil can work it in, but God going to work it out. Is he going to work it out? He going to work this thing out. Praise his name. Hallelujah. There, there, there are five there are five key persuasions that I, I, I want to cover in this text. <sighs> Y'all excuse me. To the sin question. In, in chapter 8, it says, There is therefore now. Now, the therefore is a connective, taking us back, some say, to the immediate seventh chapter, which is true, but in context, it's the first seven chapters. Because, see, there is no condemnation to them that are in, saved. Christ Jesus. Period. I know what your Bible says in the first verse. That was a wrong translation. That should have never been connected to the first verse because if you say who walk, it's a work system. In the Greek, that is connected to the fourth verse, which we'll get to. There is therefore right now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Period. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me, let me, let me, let me get this right now, let me get this right now. I know you went to Bible college, I know you studied, but uh, you, you up here changing the Bible? No, you got to go look at the Greek. There, there is therefore right now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Now, now, let me, let me, let me explain, amen, and, and the reason there's no condemnation is because of the word 
imputation. Now, 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 it's here that Romans 1 says, Romans 1 to 7 deals with failure, flesh, and frustration. All right? And in Romans 4, it introduces the subject of justification. The word justification is just as if we never sinned. Abraham was justified by God because he believed the word of God. And God reckoned it unto him. He, he accounted it to his account. Are y'all getting this? Yeah, yeah, you'll get it in a minute. And, and, and child of God, that uh, we're saved by grace, love we don't deserve, through faith and nothing else. Nothing else. So the, the great news is that all my past, present, and future sins are under the blood. Can I get a witness? And, 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 and what happened was, amen, that when Christ died, he died for my sins. Are y'all getting this? He died for all my sins. He didn't die up to yesterday for my sins. He died for what I'm going to do tomorrow. He died for all my sins. Can I get a witness? And here, here, here's the mathematical equation. Here's the accounting that the great accountant did in heaven. That when Jesus died and shed his blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. What God did was, listen to this now. He took all of my sins, Raymond Gordon, and placed them on Jesus. He took all my imperfections, all my dirt, all my sins, all my history, all my past, and put it on a cross. And then, here, here it is, he took all of Jesus' righteousness and imputed it to my account. So through imputation, which is a systematic theology word, through imputation, when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. So right now, I know, I know some denominations are struggling with this. Right now, in God's eyes, I'm just as perfect as Jesus. Boy, y'all get this, you're going to run a while. Not because I live right, not because I am right, not because I do right, because God through Christ justified me by placing all my sins on him and placing all his righteousness on me. Now you know in accounting when you affect one side of the ledger you got to affect the other side of the ledger. You can't tamper with one side of the ledger and the other side of the ledger remains the same. You got debits and credits. Come on somebody talk back to me. So if I do something on this side, I got to do something on that side. So when Jesus said, I'll die for Raymond Gordon, God said, I'll do something on this side, but then I got to do something on this side. So now, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. The reason I can't be condemned, eternal security, is because he justified me through a process called imputation. He imputed his righteousness to my unrighteous account. He died for my sins and was raised for my justification. Isn't that right? So Paul, Paul said, Paul said, when it comes to sin question, he said, I am persuaded about my sins. Let me tell you something when you're not persuaded about your sins. And, and by the way, and I'm not taking shots at some of my brethren in other denominations. You're not holy because you don't drink. You're not holy because you don't curse. You're not holy because you don't smoke. You're not holy because you wear long dresses. 
you're not holy. Help us, Jesus, because you don't wear makeup and lipstick. May all God's people wear makeup and lipstick. You, 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 come on now. You can talk back to me. We don't want to see all them bumps up in here on Sunday. Put something on. In the name of Jesus. You're not holy because you got a tambourine shaking it. You, you're holy because he who is holy made you holy through imputation and he put your sin to his account. I'm going to talk about the bottle in a minute. You ain't getting away with the bottle. Paul says, I am persuaded in my sin. My sin has been answered. See, that's why I, I, I hear something uh, different denominations again. If, if, if you die in your sin, you're going to hell. Have you heard that? If you die drinking or if you die fornicating, you're going to hell. Well, well, that ain't in the Bible. Some bishop or some mother, some evangelist made that up. You ain't, oh, no, 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 no. If God should mark iniquities, wait, yeah, let, me, let me tell you what I mean. If God should ever keep track of our sin, ain't nobody getting in heaven. Can I get a witness? God, God can say, Kent, you hit that organ wrong, you're going to hell. If he really wanted to convict you, he can find, he can find sin in things you don't even think is sinful. Oh, I'm preaching now, Doc. If I come in church and, and, and walk past Archie and Archie say, good morning, Pastor, and I didn't hear him, I kept walking, that's a sin. Sin of omission. You say, well, I didn't know it. Tough. You still sin. You offended somebody. Oh, I'm preaching, Doc. See, we haven't had theology on harmatology, which is sin. Lord have mercy. When David committed adultery, and Nathan came to David and said, Thou art the man. We only remember that Nathan said, Thou art the man. We don't hear what the rest of Nathan said. Nathan said, David, you're the man. And then Nathan said, But. God has put away your sin. You know what he did with David's sin? He transferred it to the cross, which was a thousand years in the future. He took David's sin and put it on the cross so he wouldn't kill David. Because David is the, Jesus is the son of David. David is in his genealogy. You see, God was excusing and, 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 and moving stuff before you even knew about it. Can I get a witness? In all my ignorance of sinning, God was putting my sinning on a cross. Can I get a witness? Oh, come on. When I was out there getting high, fornicating, running the street, he was taking my sins, putting it on a cross. So why shouldn't I come in here on Sunday mornings and praise his name? Because of the work of what he did at Calvary. I'm, I'm persuaded about my sin. But secondly, verse 4 to 8, I'm persuaded of my sanctification. Not condemnation, but cleansing. Here we go. Here's your bottle. It's a new practice. Now stop. Look up at pastor. I'm giving you some deep doctrine today. Moody, PCB, all that. You ain't even got to go to Bible college. I'm giving it to you. Free. Without an offering. Check, check this out. Once you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Isn't that right? He indwells the believer. You move from imputation which has already been accomplished. Let me stop on this. You got, you got Christians, all they do is preach salvation. We're saved. Move on to perfection. 
Hebrews chapter 5. Stop talking about baptism and tongues. That's baby talk. Move on to maturity. Are y'all getting me? Now, now listen to this. After imputation comes impartation. You can't have impartation till you've had imputation. You got folk in the church never had imputation, but they trying to have impartation of the Holy Spirit. They trying to tell you what you need to do with the Spirit, but they have no power base because they didn't have imputation. Oh, I messed it up now. The impartation of the Holy Spirit is what sanctification is all about. It's being set apart for the purposes of God as he enlightens, enables, encourages you. And look at verse 4, chapter 8, that the righteousness of the law, the law of Moses, might be fulfilled where? Stop. You know why Paul was under such frustration? He said, in my, law, in my mind is the law of God, but in my flesh is the law of sin. I couldn't keep God's holy law because I had no power base. I had no impartation in me to give me the power to keep God's holy law. I'm preaching now. Look, look, look at verse 4. Who walk not after the flesh, not after the suki cost, the sarks, but after the pneuma, the spirit. What is it that gives us the desire to want to please God? The impartation of the Holy Spirit. What is it that makes us want to live right? The impartation of the Holy Spirit. So when you see folks who don't even want to live right, and we're not fruit inspectors, by the way. We shouldn't come to church checking everybody else's fruit out. Check your own fruit out. Can I get a witness? Huh? Well, pastor didn't pray before he ate that sandwich. Uh, mind your business, I prayed early this morning. <laughs> Jesus, we got some fruit inspectors in the church. They trying to inspect everybody else's fruit, but they won't look at their own. And your fruit is rotten. Can I get a witness? Uh, amen. Mind your business and stay in your own backyard and we'll be all right. Went to the movies one night and some members was up there. Pastor, what are you doing? I said, what the heck are you doing here? Ask me what I'm doing here for. Pay my fare just like you. Got my bag of popcorn just like you. Dictate where I go. Leave that one alone. Check this out. Check this out. Ah. As the Holy Spirit fulfills the law of Moses in us, we don't live according to a death code. We don't walk in the flesh. Look at verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded leads to death. Now, now let, me, let, me, let me stop. Let me stop. Uh, say saying this morning, see, after we got saved, we found out a lot, of, a lot of things we didn't know. People that use drugs, heroin, cocaine, and for years, years after they stopped using, that stuff can boomerang and come back on your living kidneys. You say, well, I ain't used in 10 years. It, they, can come, they can, they always will, but they can come back. When I was across the street preaching, I said that if you've had sex, you are, amen, listen to this, the AIDS, the AIDS sickness has a 12-year incubation period. I mean, 12 years after you stop having it, it can come back on. So people in the church was counting. <laughs> they were, they when I started talking about they would sit up there saying, oh man, it's been ten and a half years. I, I need another year and a half. I, you know. Because God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, 
he can read. Can I get a witness? Y'all hanging there with me. Praise the name of Jesus. So what Paul begins to do, look at verse 10. I'm sorry, verse, uh, verse 8. So that they that are in the flesh cannot what? Please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the what? Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ living in him, he is what? None of his. Now watch this verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is unresponsive, dead, to the wars of the world. Uh-oh. Wait a minute, preacher. You mean when I get saved, imputation, impartation, as you grow in grace, you stop becoming responsive to worldly things. All right. This is my theological argument against people who claim to be saved but are living in deviant behavior. Are y'all with me? We don't hate anybody. We love everybody. We want people to become saved. But you cannot have the imputation and the impartation and you still connected for the rest of your life in the practicing of sin. It doesn't, it doesn't theologically make any sense. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You're getting quiet on me. Let me go on down the page. He's dead because of sin, dead to sin, but the spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. Now watch this now. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies, make it alive by the spirit that dwells in you. Now, let's say this is a funeral. A casket is right here where this table is. There's a dead man in the casket, right? Typically, they, they, they fold their arms and sit back. If I go past the dead man with a fifth of granddad hundred proof and put the bottle under the man's nose, he will not respond because he's dead. Are y'all getting this? Amen. That, that, that's the way believers in Christ should be the sin. Now, if I took that granddad and, and he said, Woo, give me a drink. Then all of us go out of here, Doc. I didn't say you're dead from sin. I said you're dead to sin. Oh, y'all ain't kidding. Mm. He deals with a persuasion of sin, a persuasion of sanctification. And, and, and listen, let me, let me say, I said this morning. After I got saved, I was still in sin. I was. I'm not proud of that, but I was. And I found out I could not enjoy sin. Because I had the Holy Ghost on the inside. And he convicts. Doesn't he convict? Won't he convict? Won't he cause you sleepless nights? And the pill will not do you any good? Third, we see a persuasion not only of sin, sanctification, but of sonship. The ones that are called. Look at verse 12. Come on now. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh. The word debtor and the word servant denotes they are not saved. 
He's dealing with sonship. Are you getting me? Look at verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? Sons and daughters of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Three things are in the text for the sake of time. There, listen, there, there, there is a cry, there, there is a crying, we cry, Abba, Daddy. All right, now, here's the thing about sonship I want you to hear. When you and I become sons and daughters of God, there is an immediate adoption to the body. Are you getting this? Legally, when you adopt a child, they don't have legal rights until they turn 18. God says the moment you get saved, you got legal rights to be an heir and a joint heir with Christ. Can I get a witness? So he's dealing with this new promotion of immediate adoption, and there's a cleansing, there's a crying, Abba, and there's a connection, verse 17. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, and so be that we suffer for him, we shall also be glorified together. Here's what he's saying. Once you become a son and a daughter, you, you have privilege because you got a new promotion. Look, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of God and does not yet appear what I shall be. But when I see him, I'll be just like he is. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm a see, see, Satan keeps coming all week telling you ain't nothing, you're no good. Hey, amen. Your, your daddy's no good, your mommy's no good, your children no good. And and you keep you keep receiving all that. No, 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 you gotta shake your head. You gotta say, I am a royal priesthood. I I am a holy nation. I'm a peculiar people. Can I get a witness? Amen. I was born twice, but I'm only going to die once. And death for the Christian is a deliverance. Death is a door into eternity. Can I get a witness? You ain't going in no graveyard. You ain't going in no casket. And, and that, that, that's this flesh. We're going we gonna, to we gonna lay this stuff down. Can I get a witness? We're going to take this tent and lay it down. We're going to a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Paul says, I'm persuaded about the sin question. I'm persuaded about sanctification. I'm persuaded about my sonship. Before, uh-oh, we see a persuasion to our suffering. Now, 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 let's methodically look at this. Suffering with Christ is our identification code. Imputation, impartation, immediate adoption, now my identification code. My identification code is that because he suffered, I have to suffer. That's part of our identification with Christ. That's what Peter talks about. Arm yourselves with the mindset that as he suffered, we must suffer. Yes, Can I get a witness? Child, child, child of God. Look, look at, hang in there. Look at verse 18. First, he deals with the worth of our suffering. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, look at the worth, are not worthy to be compared. Let me stop Paul's apart. Everything you and I go through, everything we've been through, every devastation, here's what Paul is saying. When you get to glory and see the magnitude of all the glory and you glance back in your mind of your suffering on earth, it's not even worthy to be compared to it. You, you can't even bring it up. It was a minute minute that you suffered down here compared to the glory you're going to see in heaven. The glory of Jesus Christ, the glory of the throne, the glory of the angels, the glory of the saints. When you start seeing all that glory, you're going to forget about your suffering. Can I get a witness? That's why most Christians can't wait to get the glory. 
Those of us that want to stick around on earth is because we earthly and didn't get enough of earth, but keep on living. You won't want to see glory. Can I get a witness? When I see his face, when I'm walking the streets of gold, I want to see the glory. He deals with the worth of our suffering. Verse 19, he deals with the waiting through our suffering. For the earnest expectation, that's waiting, of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, when you understand that as we suffer, we must wait. God's got a deliverance date for everybody that's suffering. Can I get a witness? Job said, I'll wait for my appointed time. I'm going to wait for my change to come out. See, Job, Job, Job understood the timetable of God. It's not an accident, it's an appointment. Can I get a witness? And child of God, when you understand that they that wait <laughs> upon the Lord shall renew their strength he will mount them up, won't he mount them up? He'll mount you up with wings like eagles. You can run and not get weary. You can walk and not faint. But there's waiting in suffering. And, and he, he, he not only does with the worth and the waiting, but he deals with the will of God in our suffering. And, and he deals with the groaning, verse 20 to 22, of the creation. For there is a groaning, the pollution of the rivers, the ozone level, the warming of the planet. Creation is groaning to God to be delivered. There's a groan for help from his creation, verse 22. There's a groan for harmony, amen, adoption, verse 23. Look what it says, and not only they, but we also groan. I don't know about you, but I find myself groaning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Don't you groan? Yes, sir. When everything is breaking out, you, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't articulate it all the time. You don't put it in prayer for words all the time. Sometimes you just sit there and you, mm. Mm. Aren't we groaning within ourselves, verse 23, waiting for the adoption? Aren't, 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 aren't we groaning because of this flesh nature? I know I am. Sometimes I got to go to doctor's office. I'm sitting there. I say, all this word I know. What am I sitting here? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I'm delivered. Walk out. Doesn't work that way. Next. <laughs> Heard a preacher say, on, I heard a preacher on TV preaching. He said, he said uh, the optometrist just told him he needed glasses bad. He sat there and said, in the name of Jesus, I do not need these glasses. And after he got finished praying, he had to take the eye test. We're going to groan. We're going to groan. But the third groan is for healing. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we don't even know what to pray for. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groaning. Now this is not tongues, Jacob. This ain't tongues. This ain't tongues. As, as I'm groaning because of my pain, the Holy Ghost listens to my groan. And he begins to pray a perfect prayer on my behalf. Oh, I'm preaching up in this place. You, don't, you and I don't even know what to pray for. We sit up here praying for the wrong thing. Lord, can you give me more money? God says money ain't your problem. Can I get it with? Lord, can you, Lord, can you make my kids act like they got some sense? No, it, it ain't your kids. Can I get a witness? We, you and I don't even know what to pray for, but as we groan, the Holy Ghost starts making intercession. I'm so glad that the Holy Ghost makes intercession. I'm, 
so glad that he prays on my behalf. I'm so glad that he knows the will and the word and, and, and the wisdom of God. I'm so glad that he's able to get in the gap and pray for me. Songwriter said, somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took the time to pray for me. And I'm so glad, so glad I had a grandmother praying. I had aunts praying, had mother and father praying. I'm so glad that when I was in the street messing up, that somebody was praying for me, praying for me, praying for me. I got members in the church coming to me and say, Pastor, my child don't want to come to church anymore. I said, they'll be back. Just keep praying. Won't they come back? Didn't you come back? Can I get away? Didn't we stray? And then the Holy Ghost sent a tow truck, hooked us up. We had to go through something, didn't we? We had to be like the prodigal son. We had to go through some trouble. We had to go through some failure. And the Holy Ghost brought us back. Can I get a witness? He's worthy. He not only deals with the worth, the waiting, the will, but look at verse 28, the work of our suffering. And we know. Now, wait a minute, Paul. How do you know? We know. We're not guessing. We know that all things are working together for I have not heard one preacher with the ability to preach verse 28. And we know. In spite of all my mess, in spite of all my drugs, in spite of all my sexual involvement, in spite of all my deviant behavior, in spite, in spite, in spite, in spite of all my lying, in spite, in spite, in spite of everything I've ever done, in spite of my history, in spite of my hurts, in spite of me hiding my stuff, and we know that all things are working together for the good. Can I get a witness? Satan might work it in, but God will work it out. Finally, and I mean finally, we see a persuasion to our separation. If ever there was a crescendo of questions and answers that dealt with the security of the believer, it is here in verse 31. What shall we say to these things? My God today. God is saying, put everything on the table. What are we going to say? To these things. Uh-huh. Look, look what he says in verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If, and the word if means since, since God is for us, then who can be against us? Since he is for us. See, Elijah was persuaded. You remember when him and the servants going over the hillside, the servant looked and seen all the armies, about the hundreds of thousands coming over, and, and the servant said, Master, talking to Elisha, Master, do you see the armies? And he said, yeah, I see them. He said, aren't you afraid? No, I ain't afraid. And then Elisha said, Lord, open up his eyes. Can I get a witness? And when he opens the servant's eyes, he saw millions of angels with swords drawn. God is seeing stuff you can't see. Can I get a witness? You can't see with the natural eye. You, 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 you can't see because you got a degree. Uh, it's spiritual. 
care. Uh, and he, God told Paul, there's more people for us in this place than against us. Uh, do I have a witness? And, and look at this poetic expression of praise. Look, look at the question. Since God is for us, who can be against us? Look what he says. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Hey, he's talking about grace and mercy and peace. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect when it's God that justifies? Who are you to come up to me talking about, you know what, you're nothing but a stinking sinner. Yes, you're right. You was in that world. Yes, you're right. You did everything. Yes, you're right. You can't accuse me because the most high God has already justified me. He's already thrown my sin out and put a sign up, no fishing. Can I get a witness? You can't accuse me of nothing because I'm free through the power of Christ. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, rather, that is risen again at the right hand of God, verse 34, who's making intercession for us. And then he comes to the crescendo, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Notice the list. Shall tribulation, philipsis, adversity from all directions? No. Distress, being helplessly hemmed in your circumstances, no. Persecution, being chased. He, he says, yet, verse 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are super conquerors through him that loved us. Paul says, for I am. Here it is. Persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything shall be able to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. When you go to work tomorrow and they messing with you, you gotta say, I am persuaded. Can I get a witness? When your husband and wife won't act right, you gotta say, I am persuaded. When the children won't do right, you gotta say, I am persuaded are you persuaded are you persuaded he's worthy 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 for I am I am it took some doing but I am I had to go through some hell but I am I had to learn the word of God but I am I had to keep coming to court, but I am. I had to start paying my tithes, but I am. I had to learn to live right, but I, I am. I, I am persuaded. Say it. Say it. Say it. Stand on your feet. When your faith gets low, say, I am persuaded. As every head is bowed, eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you need to be saved. Give Jesus your life. He died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. Is there one that wants to be saved this morning? Raise your hand. Be honest with God. He'll be honest with you. Is there one you want to be saved? You want to join the church and Christian experience? Just raise your hand. Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? I see your hands. Come on down. Come on down. We love you, man. We love you. We love you. Is there another? Step out. Step out. I don't know about you, 
But as I get older and growing in the word, I am persuaded. I am persuaded that what we preach is truth. I am persuaded that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. Glad to have you, brother. Glad to have you. Right here, right here. Is there another? Is there another? Is there another? I want to ask the ministers to take my brother in the back. Leave him, Craig. God bless you. Will you all be seated? Look down at the bottom. Grab a basket. Shh, we're going into communion. Do not take communion if you're not saved. You'll be eating and drinking more damnation to your soul. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he passed the wine and said, drink, this is the blood of the New Testament. As often as you do this, you show remembrance of me to I come. This communion is our way.